Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. All right, welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Meryl Hagen. Meryl is an animation writer on Teen Titans Go, Harvey Birdman, Danger Mouse, Unikitty, Bonicula, Magic School Bus, and a ton of other stuff. Did I say everything right and list everything right there? That's, uh, yeah. Awesome. Absolutely did. Amazing, amazing. Well, welcome to the show, Meryl. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell us where you are in the world right now. I want to say you're in LA. I'm in beautiful Silicon Beach, Los Angeles. And how long have you been there? I, I feel like we've interviewed a lot of TV writers lately, and a lot of them have been in LA. Did you grow up there? How'd you end up there? I actually, my career started in Atlanta, Georgia, at Cartoon Network there. I worked at Cartoon Network and Adult Swim for about 10 years, and then, um, or I guess actually 10 years, and started going back and forth between Los Angeles and Atlanta for a little bit, but I've been full-time in LA seven, eight years, something like that. And I mentioned that you are a writer on uh, Teen Titans Go, Harvey Birdman, etc. You're a writer of animated TV shows, correct? How would you describe, let's say you met someone at a party and you had to explain what you do, what would you say? <laughs> I always say I just write. I'm like, oh, I write cartoons and comic books. And uh, that, that about covers it. Yeah, I've done like you know a few video games. And I do a lot of commercials still and stuff too, but um, you know, produce some other material but my main passion is the cartoons and what are you working on right now what's the projects what are you still working on what can you talk about what can't you talk about still in the teen titans of the world um working on uh on some teen titans go type projects last year i did um some kind of greatest hits episodes like you know um flashback episodes of titans that i kind of wrote and produced and directed and now i'm doing some other projects in the titans world and um I have a couple other upcoming projects that should be out soon for like Mattel and some other stuff I can't quite talk about yet. And as far as process, if we were to talk about process a little bit, what would be a, a project you want to use as an example? Would Teen Titans Go be a good Yeah, Teen Titans Go would be a great one. Cool. So let's talk about that. How did you get started on Teen Titans Go? How did that come about? Were you already a TV writer? Like, Tell us, how, how did you get your foot in the door? You know, like everybody, I think, has like their own kind of different path. And mine was pretty weird uh, because I thought that I actually was going to be an animator. And I started at Cartoon Network kind of in the graphics department and very quickly kind of got pushed in the writing, which is something I didn't really ever train for or even really plan on. But through a bunch of different quirks of fate, they needed some writers right then for like their longer form interstitials and commercials and stuff like that and ended up ultimately working on Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, and another show called Strober and Hoop. And um, when I was coming out to LA, I was also in charge of this block of programming on Cartoon Network called DC Nation, which was like all the DC characters. I was doing like these like kind of like live action shorts and stuff like that and uh, ended up meeting the Teen Titans guys, Michael Jonick and Aaron Horvath. And ultimately in the first season there, like you went tried pitching some episodes and i'd never done kids animation before i'd only ever done adult animation and that was my first time doing kids tv you know episodic uh is there an art to the pitch you said you had the opportunity to pitch some episodes 
had you done that before? How did you find out how to do that? Yeah, I had pitched. I've had some really disastrous pitches on Birdman. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I never really had trained to be a writer. And even at the start of Titans, my pitches were not great. Like, they were kind of, like, overridden. Like, an animation, we start usually with these, they're called premises or springboards. And um, they're usually, like, about, like, a paragraph, if that. Like, where you're explaining, like, hey, this is what this episode would be like. And um, it's really so... Most animation now, like I would say outside of like, you know, DreamWorks or whatever, there's no real writer's rooms anymore in general. Um, you know, there's a lot of freelance writing, like at Warner Brothers, you know, Mattel, like a lot of these places. So what you do is you send in premises or springboards. And like usually like you can send in like 10 or 12 like paragraphs. And, and when you come in and meet with the showrunners, they're like, hey, we're interested in these three premises. But when I started... <laughs> I was writing like page and a half premises, like <laughs> way, way, way too detailed. And um, so one of the things I learned from Titans was kind of how to tighten that up. Do you think they'll ever have a, you know, full on book and classes about TV writing? You know, they've, there's a lot of books about film writing, screenwriting. As far as getting in on the TV side, and this is why we cover TV a lot, do you think we'll get to the point where it'll be a little bit more formal? I mean, I hope so. Everyone I know who's done it, unless like they were like Ivy League educated, <laughs> which seems to be its own pathway, has like their own like weird way into doing it. You know, whether it's people I know who are like entertainment reporters or actors or, you know, every person I know who works in animation in general has come at this in a weird way. Usually there's like a passion for animation, but not always. Not really like a lot of trained writers. So I think we're all kind of just making it up as we go and then teaching each other a little bit. It would be great if there was something formal because I would like to know what I'm doing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. There should be. As far as um, once you make that pitch and they say, okay, we want to make these few episodes, you get brought on board and obviously you start to write those episodes. I'm assuming, will there be a separate director that comes in and directs the episode? Or are you also the director? Walk us through like where that line... It depends on the show. But if we're just saying like for Teen Titans Go, Teen Titans Go is like a really different show than most because it's, it's much more collaborative than a lot of TV shows I work on. But Titans, you do the premises, and then you get brought in the showrunners, Michael Jelnick and Aaron Horvath. And sometimes the executive producer will be in there too. We sit in the room for about an hour, kind of like do the basic beats of what we think will we'll break out an episode. At that point, if the producer wasn't in there, they come in and like we, uh, you know, whoever the writer is, you pitch out the episode. Like, this is what I think the episode will be. And they give you like initial approval to go to outline phase. And then um, you have about a, usually about a week, you turn in the outline. If that gets approved, then you move to first draft and then kind of off to the races. Um, with Titans, the big difference is the animators a lot of times have a lot of leeway at storyboard phase to kind of change around some of the visual jokes. And then the voice actors are so funny. Like they have a lot, and they've lived with these characters for 20 years at this point. So a lot of times they'll bring their own improv or jokes to her. Sometimes just even the way like Kari, who's a cyborg, like his timing is so unique and, and beast boy too like they'll say something in such a funny way that like it kind of can change up the visuals or the, the pacing of a joke if that makes sense 
What's the uh, research like? I mean, I imagine when you write for something that's either based on a comic or anything like that, you maybe as someone who's interested in comics, you already know that information, or do you have to go do research and dig into it? And um, it just kind of depends. So, like one of the projects I I can't fully talk about <laughs> right now is like I did something for Marvel recently, and there was a character who I wasn't super familiar with. Like I kind of knew who this character was. But I didn't know like the backstory, and so I, and I knew that was going to be a big part of the project I was doing. So um, that like I like read all the appearances and, and read pretty much everything I could find and asked a lot of questions for uh, like Teen Titans Go. Like I'm a I'm a huge comic book fan. Like I'm one of the biggest nerds I know, and I love you know Batman and Robin are my two favorite characters. That being said, like I throw that all out the window with Titans because who these characters are in the show are not who they are in the comic book. Like, like, and when you start trying to merge that, it can get messy. It just kind of depends. Like, you know, we're at a weird time now where a lot of projects are based on older things. Like Danger Mouse, I've worked on for a long time, and that's based off of a show from the '80s. And um, you know, I went back and watched Danger Mouse and Duckula and. Sometimes that stuff gets in your way. <laughs> like, right. You want to know like the basics, but like there's parts of Danger Mouse that are like fairly the original, fairly misogynist. I would say a lot of it would not fly <laughs> 30 years later on TV. So gotcha. um, it's better to just kind of you know the materials there. Like I like research because um, it's a distraction from actual writing, but like you can't let it get in the way of an idea if that makes sense. As far as working with, uh, let's say, IP that's either coming from like a DC or a Marvel, who from the the DC or Marvel side is fact checking or or saying, "Yep, you hit you know everything correctly here, and it's fine to take liberties here." There is a DC. Um, there's a dude named Mike Carlin on the animation side. He was uh, Mike edited like Superman for years, like in the '90s. Like he did all the Death of Superman stuff, and he's been a, a huge editor of marvel and dc like his entire career mike ultimately is who signs off on the dc stuff and like he also is like he's really great at catching things like sometimes like i even forget like i a while ago used the character name that i'd forgotten was also had already been used interesting for titans but like you know when i was doing dc nation with them like sometimes it's crazy like you get into the minutiae of like which superman symbol you can use and which version of what character and can we say you know like on teen titans go we're never really clear which robin that actually is like if it's dick grayson or tim drake or who you know although there's plenty of like hints out there about it but like that kind of thing like they they'll weigh in on but on titans i think we have a lot more leeway than maybe some of the other stuff it's a straight-up comedy let's talk uh, or continue through the process out of things uh as far as you mentioned working on an outline what does that outline look like is that a, a word doc or a one pager is it, what is it yeah so an outline okay when the premise is approved and you go and you do it like we when we talk about the beats like an outline is just like basically sometimes it's called a beat sheet it's usually like for an 11 minute you're talking about it can be like three to five pages long you're just hitting all the major beats and locations like this is like where the main action will take place. This is the main beats of the story. And then 
sometimes like there's usually like a little bit of dialogue especially like it's there's like a joke if it's a verbal joke that you need like that's in there and it's good so that like animation directors can start figuring out like hey what are the the settings we're going to need like what does this look like how much work will we need to design new characters or new costumes for the characters or new locations so at that outline stage you can get um sent back to outline as well you know like sometimes like it's funny because people are like animation is so free you can do anything but you kind of can't still because there's still budget right considerations so like especially with superheroes i've run into problems like i did a show for i've worked with like all these big companies but you you get like hey we can't afford to design character x right and their secret identity so like you can't even though you have them pull their mask off they can't quite do that or hey the, you know we're running out of money and time for the layout guys like keep the characters in their home base you know so that can that can affect that line too interesting as far as the first draft of the script itself, what does that look like? So it's in Final Draft, which is a program I have very mixed feelings about. For like an 11-minute show, usually about 15 pages long. Some shows want a little bit more because they know they're going to want to cut stuff. And then you know, for like a 22-minute show, usually about like 28 pages. As far as the... Uh art itself you mentioned that it can sometimes be limiting to kind of what you actually have to write or edit is the art that is kind of created based on what you write is it always similar to what you had in mind how do you communicate besides the script with the artist and how does that work just it, that's <laughs> i feel like i'm broken record recording you but uh, <laughs> it's again like show dependent because like for me one thing where i was lucky at in the second season of titans the uh guy who directed a bunch of my scripts he and i had been like unbeknownst to anybody at warner on the show we we had been like really close friends for years no one knew that we knew each other so we were able to like communicate and like collaborate very very closely in our episodes and sometimes like you see stuff really early and people are like like on um danger mouse i created a couple uh, new villains and like i would send in sketches and the animators were like please don't do that again. We're better artists than you. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's funny. Sometimes, not really, but they were also like, we get paid to do that. That's okay. Um, <laughs> you tried though. Yeah, you tried. It kind of depends like on um, some of the Titan stuff I've done recently. Like I've had to, I've, I've actually ended up doing the boards myself, which is kind of a new thing because um, like, it's just easier for me to be like, Hey, this is, this is what I need these guys to do. And but a lot of times you just don't, just don't see it like i don't ever know what's it's crazy you can work on something for like a year or two and then you see it and you're like oh wow that's not even a little bit what i imagine that character would look like or sound like and sometimes it's it's really close i mean like sometimes the dissonance is so funny like there's there's an episode of titans where um beast boy keeps getting like i did where he calls himself scar man he keeps <laughs> doesn't sound funny out loud but he keeps scarring himself more manly <laughs> And he gets his arm cut off at one point. And I was like, oh, yeah, he turns into a bear with a cyborg arm. And I, in my mind, thought it would look kind of like Cable from the X-Men. Then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a goofy-looking circus bear <laughs> with this dinky little arm. And it wasn't what I thought it would be, but so much better and funnier than what I had in my mind. 
What about writing for uh, specific actors or maybe characters that already exist or actors you, you know they're going to come into it with a certain voice? Are you writing for their voice knowing who you're writing for? Um, well, that's if you know what the even if you don't know like the actor, but you have like a strong idea of the character, like a lot of times on shows when I start, they haven't been cast yet. So like Danger Mouse, even before I ever heard his voice, like I had a really strong idea of how he would talk. And some of that's from the past show and some of it's just what I imagined. Like, you know, like my friend was like, who also worked on shows like, Oh, he's a, it's not actually that accurate, but he was like, in my mind, I picture a braver, you know, like more thirties version of Archer. And like the more clear, like I know what their cadences are in my head. Like now when I write beast boy and cyborg, like I know those rhythms so well, it's easy for me to hear that in my head. Or like I did a show um, for Robert Kirkman called um, super dinosaur based on his comic. And like, in that room, the guys who ran that, like <laughs> it sounds so weird, but like, I was picturing one of their voices as Super Dinosaur, and it helped me the way that he's so excited about different like horror movies or whatever, or like that actually gave me a key into how I would talk in Super Dinosaur's voice. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickr and Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre, and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. What's your favourite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favourite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favourite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. So you finish the script. I imagine you then record the audio and then that is then sent to get drawn to? Or walk us through those steps to the point at which it becomes a show. Sometimes, like usually on my part, like once the script is done, like I'm gone and on to the next one right um but lately i've done like a bunch of things or a few more things where i've been in the recording process and um amazingly <laughs> the way that the what you ideally would always want is for the voices to be first like that's the most ideal thing because the animators have an idea of what they're animating to and can animate directly to that however so many actors now are so tied up with different projects or you know, like I'm not not I'm not calling this dude out because he is great to work with. But like Kari, who's cyborg on Teen Titans, he's also in Walking Dead, and he's like you know everyone's just got crazy crazy schedules. So sometimes because of the economics of it, like you have to start animating before the voices are there. But luckily, the way that animation has evolved, like you can sometimes go back, and it's not the end of the world. Like you can think on a lot of like major mainstream animated films like the voices <laughs> can be sometimes fairly late in the process there's a lot of scratch that gets animated too and then once you get the actual performance you adjust the animation accordingly and when the episode is finished are you usually working on several or all episodes like how do you get chosen for i know they pick specific pitches that you chose but 
you know, how many you usually work on? And at what point do you usually say, okay, cool, I'm done with this season or this show? It kind of is crazy. It, it's like, again, it's like, it's like per show. Like sometimes like I've gotten into recently doing like a fair amount of like foreign shows that are like made in Europe or Asia and then, you know, will air on Nickelodeon or wherever in America. So sometimes for those shows going into a season, like I know that I'll have a deal to do like eight episodes or like I'm doing another show for the BBC now. And they're like, Hey, we'll give you as many episodes as you want. Until we hit, you know, 52 episodes. Oh, wow. So I kind of have a sense just based on like what the episode number is I'm working on, like where we're at at the season. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll get two or three more out of this with American shows. You kind of never know. <laughs> um, it's hard that way being a freelancer because like the whims of what's happening in the world and like the timing and stuff like right now with the, all these companies merging and making their own streaming platforms, it's really unclear how many episodes are getting made or who's even being making stuff or for what. And like, there can be like giant stall outs of time at the, you know, like things just don't go into production. So like, unikitty or Benicula, like when i was working on those shows you know i would turn in an episode and they're like you want another one here you go so i don't really always have a sense but because i'm a freelance guy like it sounds crazy but i typically do a script a week um i could be working on like five or six different shows any given time that's crazy um yeah how do you get your next gig uh do you have an agent that kind of is submitting you for things? Are you kind of reaching out to people um, that you know? Or? I don't have an agent. I okay. had one for a minute. It wasn't a great fit for me. Like, I don't... I have really mixed feelings on agents in general. Um, because ultimately, my feeling is, like, an agent... When I started, I was like, oh, if only I could get an agent. Like, that'll help me get work, and that'll help me, you know, I'll get the jobs I want, and I'll meet the people I want. And... um Ultimately, what I've found is that the best way to get yourself jobs is yourself. Like you meet people and they speak for your work or you make friendships, connections, and that just carry on to the next thing. Like my agent, who um, I think is a very nice guy, he just wasn't getting me work. I'm lucky enough now where I've worked at enough places that I'm able to kind of like, sometimes I'm like, oh, if I see a hole coming up in my schedule, I can just kind of send up a flare and be like, Who's got something? But I'm very privileged and lucky to be in that position. What would you say specifically in regards to the agent and getting the foot in the door for those aspiring writers who are hoping to someday be in your position? What would you say to them? I would say everyone's always asked. Like the first question I get from anybody who wants to be a writer is, how do I get an agent? (laughs) And that's the wrong question. (laughs) The real question is to me, like, what is it you want to do? Like, if you wanted to be like, if you're like, hey, I want to be a sitcom writer, or I want to be, you know, a dramatic, I want to write like, you know, Riverdale. There's all sorts of different ways. If you want to be an, a writer of comedy, the best way to do that is to be around the comedians and people who are doing it. Like, I would say, like, go take classes at UCB, go take, you know, at Crownlings, because those are the people who are getting hired as, even in animation, a lot of times as comedy writers. I think an agent our manager can be helpful, but like that's overlooking. That's just like jumping a bunch of steps. It's like what, like the best way is just like personal connection. 
people I've met that were like entertainment writers that went into writing and stuff, like they've made all these connections with these showrunners and they were able to talk to them and stuff like that. For for me, I was extremely lucky because of, you know, my history of cartoon and adult swim. Like I was able to meet all these showrunners and studio heads. And like when I transitioned to full-time writing, like I was, I had like a history, you know, at that point, like a pretty deep history with people. It's like anything, like you build, it's relationship-based, I guess. Especially when writing can be hard. Like I'm kind of an extroverted introvert. Like I don't, (laughs) sometimes I don't want to go see people or interact with people, but like you kind of have to make yourself do it. Like that's, you know, especially for people when being animation, there's animation writer meetups like out the yin yang in LA. Like there's writer group meetups like everywhere. Like those are the people who will help you, like your friends, you know? Moving away from the process side of things and maybe some more out there questions or fun questions, the first we'd like to ask, writer's block, does it exist? Can it exist? How do you combat it? Um, I don't think I've ever had like specifically writer's block. There's been times where I'm like, I get stuck on a problem that I can't quite see the opening to. I think like the way to do it, to me, like trying to force your way through it is not the most helpful i think there's a like you have to give yourself space and so sometimes it's like you know just getting up and getting away for a minute like i personally in the last 10 years or so have gotten really into running like i find that very meditative so i go like exercise or do something for a little bit it kind of like frees my head to focus when i come back like i'm like oh i haven't been beating my head against the wall for 10 minutes it's about you know, how Danger Mouse is going to get out of this trap. And um, I find it, this has been helpful for me. Really, you know, like, sometimes it's like, go watch a TV show or a movie. Like, But I say that fully knowing, like, I'll just stare at my computer for two <laughs> hours, too, and be like, oh, God. <laughs> if I check Twitter again, maybe I'll find the answer there. Uh, next question comes from one of our last guests, Joshua Pruitt and Scott Peterson. They asked a question for us to ask other guests, and that question was, what motivates you to keep writing on the day-to-day? Like, What goes through your mind? What gets you through it? That's a really good question. Uh, ultimately, like, there's times where it's not as fun as other times, um, but ultimately, like, I, it still is fun for me. Like, When you come up, I always compare it. This is a weird comparison. To me, it's like a puzzle. Like, I, I love puzzles. I have all these pieces, and I'm trying to make them all fit in the way that makes the best sense for the story and makes, like, the right picture. And, you know, like, like, oh, this sometimes, like, you know, when you don't even know what the, like, you hit on something at the end of the story, and you're like, oh, wait, this actually informs the beginning in a different way that I didn't think. And you can go back and, like, rearrange stuff. And, like, there's something that's really, the process of writing itself is hard. But the feeling when you're done with it is, like, unbeatable. Since we got that question from another writer, we'll ask you, if you could suggest a question that we ask one of our next guests, what would you ask? (laughs) Uh, I would say, um, how much of the writing... (laughs) This is a question I've been joking about with friends lately, like... uh, are they able to just start all day and just keep working or how much of it is just pushed right to the end of the day? Like, Oh, deadline's coming. 
Love it. Because I think most, maybe that's not the most particular way to say that, but I feel like a lot of animators I know or people in animation or writers, there's a lot of um, procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, um, well, I was just like, gonna. Uh, I always ask the, just, the question back to you, so I'll, you know you're gonna answer it now. But are you able to start all no. day? Okay. I've like told my wife and I both work from home, and I've like told her recently. I'm like, you know what? Like, it's uh, no one. It's for no one's advantage for me to sit here. <laughs> and we have we share an office. Like, let me get out of your way in the morning because all I'm gonna do is watch dumb videos and look at the computer, but not actually do anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I have a real problem with it. I like it. I like that deadline pressure. It's, it, it's good for me. <laughs> and somehow you, you always get it done so far <laughs> I'm waiting for it to blow up in my face one day. Uh, moving along to the next question. Do you have time or do you have interest? Aside from writing what you're getting paid to write, do you have time and energy to also think about, sit down, and write your own ideas and your own scripts? Uh, honestly, I haven't yet. Like this is a big thing, actually. Um, that my wife and my friend, who um, is one of my executive producers, and I were talking about this week. Like my real problem has been that sometimes like I'll chase a paycheck instead of like focusing on side, like, you know, passion projects. So like I have two ideas for um, originals. Like I would just like to do and I just don't make the time for it. And that's ultimately probably to my detriment because that's, you know, where the money is a lot of times is making your own original. But um, that's hopefully, something i'm gonna start addressing soon i'm like i have a bunch of half-written scripts that just need to get finished but then when someone's flashing that uh danger mouse money at you it's hard to say no <laughs> true <laughs> it's like, i'm i'm a workaholic too like that's the you know it's been a real problem in my life in general but like i i like to work like i'd rather work than almost anything else and um, it's hard for me to say no to scripts because I'm always like, what if I don't get another one? Like, where's the next script going to come from? And like, luckily my wife makes me take vacations because, uh, I've literally worked myself sick before. I love it. Like I love to work. Like it's my favorite thing. Which leads me to my next question. Is the life of a writer glamorous? No. <laughs> <laughs> you answered um, that very quick. It's not. I mean, there's like a lot of trade-offs, like with anything. Like sometimes, like I get jealous of stuff. Like I think anybody would. Like there's things like, especially like it's Memorial Day weekend, and I'm gonna be writing a comic book script today, and I'm packing up this house, and blah 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 blah. And like I like to be at the pool or something, but um, that sucks. But then the other hand, like there's a lot of cool stuff about it. Like you know, especially like on a show like Titans. It's been so well received, and I see like a kid out in the the costume or you know the shirt or like last year when the movie came out and I went to see the movie in the theater and it was like packed with kids. I'm like, man, that's cool. Like, you know, for me growing up, like Ducktales and you know GI Joe, like that stuff was like the most important stuff. Like, it still is important to me in a sad way, but like it was such an important part of my life. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'm doing, I'm getting to do that for like a kid. Like, I'm 
that's a really neat thing. And, um, and there are like some cool parts. Like we get to go, my wife and I get to go to like some movie premieres and stuff. And we get to sometimes hang out with famous people. And like, you're like, Oh, this is kind of cool. This is a neat trade off, but I wouldn't say it's glamorous. Like most of the time I'm just in my office chatting away. (laughs) If you could uh, be any of the writer or any of the characters you write for, which character would you choose? Man, I keep going, keep going back to that Titans wheelhouse, but um, I always say Cyborg is who I would like to be, but Robin is probably actually who I am. If you Only because Robin's like yeah. so wound tight and type A and um, kind of needy <laughs> <laughs> and a dweeb. Like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, if you could take any writer, living or dead, to any fast food restaurant, which writer, which restaurant, and why? Um, my favorite writer of all time is not really like traditionally a screenwriter, although he did do some, is Elmore Leonard. Um, like, I love him. And which fast food restaurant would I take him to? Well, my guess is he would hate fast food, but <laughs> um, I mean, I'd take him to Taco Bell because I, I would want Taco Bell. I'll just make it about everything, I'd make it about all of my work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, is there one thing that you, looking back at your career, that maybe you found helpful as a way of life or just a piece of advice that you pass along to anyone who's uh, an aspiring creative or writer? What would you say? Man, I hesitate to say this because I think sometimes like people misinterpret it, but I feel like tenacity is the most important thing because most people will quit. I think that sometimes just like by virtue of like continuing to struggle and hang on, like you can get a lot further than people who give up. That being said, I think some people should give up, but um, like there's, there's a point where it's like, Oh yeah. Like even for me, like there's going to be a a day of diminishing returns where I'm going to have to be like, Oh yeah, this isn't right anymore. Um, But I think tenacity holding tight when other people like, it's just hard. It's a hard, hard, life and um once you get in like you never it's just a lot of it's hard to, to stay like holding on but um yeah i i think that's it that's kind of a bummer <laughs> thing to say, but it's all right there there have been yeah. so many moments in this podcast where at the end of the episode the writer is just like i'm sorry i've been so like such a bummer and so depressing but you know we need to hear these things aspiring writers need it's to like, hear the truth yeah, man. Like, you know what? There's times where it's like, this is like the best job in the world. And there's times where it's like the hardest job in the world. Like sometimes like, you know, like anything, like sometimes you got to take jobs that are like paycheck jobs. Like, and luckily I'm very, I had to do that very frequently. I've been very lucky on that. But sometimes you end up, sometimes you don't even think something's going to be a paycheck job and you're in there and you're like, oh shit, this is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but in general, I mean, it's fun, man. Like you, you sit in a room by yourself, you make up stories, and then somebody else acts them out for you. Like it's not that hard. And I don't have a, I'm not that dark about it. <laughs> so, what's the end goal for you? Um, I know that you've got something else, or a couple maybe things on the on the horizon you can't talk about. But long term, what do you want to do? Is there a particular um, trajectory you're trying to? Yeah, I'd like to ultimately, um, I think in the next couple of years, like my goal is to have something that's like original, that's mine. Like I've been very lucky. Like I've 
I've gotten to work on a lot of cool things. I've had a couple things get very, very close to going that would have ran. And, um, you know, everyone's a little bit of a product of the time that you're in. And, like, <laughs> unfortunately, um, the streaming situation now is making things look a little funky in ways that are going to affect the business, I think, for years to come. But, you know, my goal in the next year or two, like, I just want to have something that's like, oh, this is mine. Like, I made this the way I wanted to make it um, completely. And, and you I guess want, it's everybody's goal in the thing. <laughs> do you want to go the showrunner path? or? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Like, there's, I think I'm I'm pretty close. There's a, there's a few things now, like, that are kind of happening. Like, they're not entirely mine, but, like, by virtue of me directing it and storyboarding it and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, this is more... Uh, this is more my unadulterated vision of what I feel like this should be. If that makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, did you want to plug any particular project right now and or your Twitter slash social media? Handles? Uh, yo, hit me up on social media. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I tweet infrequently and it's usually just about like football. So I don't know that it's the greatest social media feed, Twitter feed of all time, but it's out there. <laughs> And what's the handle? Just in case those. It's who... uh, it's probably Merrill Hagen or Merrill <laughs> Hagen. We'll we'll uh, uh, tag in the, the SoundCloud yeah. bio or the link. Yeah. If you guys want some Atlanta okay. Falcons hot takes? It's great. <laughs> some writers need that. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and occasionally uh, jokes about Adult Swim that I get scared about and delete thirty minutes. Later <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh god! I don't know. It's funny. Um, last question: Did you have fun today? Did I have fun today? I had fun today. It's been, this is a very stressful week for me. Like, I think I said, moving on Tuesday, and uh, a lot of craziness happening in my life this week. Um, this was a nice little break for a minute. I hope you got some time to reflect on your career and think about things and really get that zen in the middle of your move and your craziness. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm feeling very zen right now. <laughs> that's what we want out of this and hopefully the listeners will feel in as well thank you merle it's been a lot of fun hey thanks for having me i appreciate it definitely uh and thank you to our listeners we hope to see you next week thank you so much for listening to the writer experience if you enjoyed the episode today please leave a rating a review and a comment on itunes you can also check us out on instagram at writer experience and twitter and facebook at writer exp the Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.